Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Him. How's everybody doing today? All right, we have to get excited. It's, it's like 1 o'clock, and we're kind of like post-buffet. Y'all slept in, had you a little bit of Mexican food, so we got to get our... We got to get our worship on right now and our, and our, and our TD Jakes, our inner TD Jakes. So when I ask you how you're doing, I don't want to hear, I'm, I'm all right. I want to hear that we're killing it right now. All right. So how y'all doing today? That's what I want to hear. That's good, man. We're in this series and we've been talking about for four weeks, this concept of, of integrity, this taking the mask off. And if you haven't been here I'd encourage you to go to our website, but we've been talking about not, not a political statement, not let's take the mask off because we don't believe in what society's trying to, none of, it's nothing, it's take the mask off and let people see who you really are. And, and maybe take the mask off for the first time and allow yourself to see you and, and, and how you really are. And maybe in that, maybe God will do some things and changes. And I think today, honestly, is one of the hardest things for us to kind of work through. It's one of the hardest areas of our lives because today we're gonna take the mask off and what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at our thoughts Because I believe this without any reservations. I'll say this. I'll stand on this one. How you think, what you think about is what you will end up becoming. If you think that you're going to be a loser, if you think you're going to be worthless, if you think you're always going to be what you used to be, you're going to end up being all those things. But if you're a winner and know you're a winner and you know that God's doing great things, exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine, you'll end up becoming those things because you'll be what you think. And it's not just kind of positive talk. There's actually a biblical precedent here. But before we do that, I want to do an experiment today and I need some assistance. I need you guys to buy into what we're doing today because it's kind of viewer participation and then I'm going to ask somebody to come up. So can you bring, because everybody does an experiment, has experiment stuff, right? So I have experiment stuff. So I'm going to bring out my experiment stuff right now. And it looks familiar to a Krispy Kreme box. So um, I'm going to put up a sign. Thank you so much. Um, I, I'm going to put up a sign up here. And I want you to think what you think about right now. What's going through your mind this very second? Hot donuts. So. 1988, let me tell you a little story. 1988, I moved down here from New Jersey. We didn't have those. We had Dunkin' Donuts. And Dunkin' Donuts are good, but there ain't no such thing, ain't nothing close to a Krispy Kreme. And I'm telling you, it's almost a religious experience. It's in Hesitations, the book of Hesitations, Thou Shall Eat, Krispy Kreme's Every Chance You Get. And I found out this, I found this out last service, that Jesus loves Krispy Kreme so much that all the calories are also taken out of them. So I want you to think, what do you think when you see that sign? Now, I need some help, and I'm going to ask our uh, Next Steps pastor, uh, uh, Will, to come up here with me. And so you know what one of these is? You've ever held one of those? Yeah, a couple Okay, times. so um, I, I want you to... Yes. Why don't you get you one? Yes. I think I'm going to get me one, too. Yes. So what's, what's going through your mind right now? Turn on the, con- like, just pull, put me on the conveyor and turn on the glaze. <laughs> 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 yes. So I think, I think milk and three ice cubes? Yes. So what are you thinking about? Three right ice now? cubes. Yeah, it's weird. It, it's a Yankee thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, so, just, I just need milk. to I, just, I, just I need like milk. my cold things cold and my hot things hot. That's yeah. what I tell my wife, too. Um, 
She watched the last service. She didn't hear a word I said. <laughs> um, so what do you think about right now? What are y'all thinking about? Krispy Kreme? You want a Krispy Kreme? Do y'all want a Krispy Kreme? Seriously? Who wants it? Who says yeah? Oh, man, come here. Come here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I ain't got COVID or nothing. It's not like I got COVID. And, I mean, they tested me this past week. I, you negative. It didn't come back yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, take a bite. Take a bite. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good, isn't it? My man. My man. Who's, a, who's the best boss ever? You right here. Yeah. What y'all think about? You think about Krispy Kremes? Yeah. How many people would like a Krispy Kreme right now? Okay, I, here's the experiment. Stop thinking about Krispy Kremes. You can't. All right? Might take another bite. Yes. All right. Are y'all still thinking about Krispy Kremes? I know he is. He's back there going. You know why you can't stop thinking about Krispy Kremes? Because you haven't started thinking about something else. And that's how you change. In our lives, we spend so much time thinking about one thing. And until we divert that and think about something else, we'll always be thinking about Krispy Kremes. And it's interesting. It's actually biblical precedent that we're going to look at in a few minutes. But I want to do something. I want you to give him a round of applause, and you can take that back with you. You can take that back with you. You want another one? Sure. I feel so bad. I feel like I disrespected you, brother. Split it with your sister. I licked my fingers before I gave that to you, too. Don't worry about that juicy stuff on there. So y'all still thinking about Krispy Kreme? Who wants a Krispy Kreme? Okay, so watch this. How about this? Stop thinking about Krispy Kreme. I want you to think about this. And I can see the reaction in your face. These four words have something in common. You know what one of the things is? Every one of us in our lives have gone through all four of those, sometimes at the same time. We've dealt with fear. I was sharing with First Service. I love that song that we just sang, The Blessing. Because it really combats a fear that I have. From the time my kids were small, from the time we lost our first child, I constantly think that the enemy is trying everything he can to destroy my family and destroy my kids. And this is a fear I have. And it's interesting because a lot of us live in worry and it keeps whatever is going through our minds, whether it's financial things or relational thing or if it's a health thing, we go through worry and we, we worry, we worry. It's just like the Krispy Kreme. You can't take your mind off it until you think about something else. Or maybe it's loneliness or disappointment. Another thing that this, these, all these four words have in common, and I, I almost guarantee you, you remember a, a certain moment when you were growing up? I remember for me, we would go to a Six Flags over Jackson, New Jersey, and you could smell the smell. You would, you would pull in, you would open the door, you get out of the, the car, and you start making your way through, and the first thing they had right there was funnel cakes. And I remember, man, the funnel cakes. How many people have been through the fair already? Like when you get there, the fun, it, it just, it's part, and, and, and or a song. I remember, I'm telling you, like the song by Rat, Round and Round, I can smell smells. I can hear sounds still. I can, who's with me on that? Round and round. I mean, it's like, and, and the, the, you young people is the best song ever in the 80s. So, but it's one of those deals where those things, because we're almost programmed to think through those things. What if we reprogrammed ourselves? What if in just, in fact, a way we could stop thinking about Krispy Kremes, we could stop thinking about these four things. That's hard, isn't it? Because those four things carry a lot of emotion. Sometimes they carry a lot of baggage. 
There's a guy in the Bible that I've been reading about a lot lately. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I'll give you a, a brief synopsis of who he is. His name was Paul. He was actually Saul before that. On a Damascus road, he got knocked off a donkey. He was blinded. He went to a man by the name of Ananias' house on Straight Street. And there, Ananias told him about the Jesus. He asked Christ to be a savior. They turned, changed his name from Saul to Paul. He went on missionary journeys all across that region, preached hundreds of messages. Everywhere he went, he had big crowds. Whole families were coming to know Christ. And it sounds like he had a great exploration, like it was a great time, but there was also lots of times where it was sorrow and there was all these four things. There was fear and worry and loneliness and disappointment. He dealt with the same exact things we deal with. There was times where he lived in fear when he was on the boat when it went shipwrecked. There was times where he lived in fear when he had to go to Caesarea Philippi and he had to report to Caesar and he didn't know if Caesar was going to execute him right there, he's going to put him in jail, or he was actually going to give him some type of award. There was times where he was worrying about what the next move for his life was. Is he even, or would the mob somehow or another try to kill him? And there was times where loneliness set in, where he was sitting in a prison cell by himself, waiting for trial of Caesar. And then, man, I'm going to tell you, this one here, disappointment. When his ministry friends walked away from him, and he ended up preaching the gospel by himself, and many of his journeys he did by himself. Man, Paul dealt with fear and dealt with worry and he dealt with loneliness and he dealt with disappointment. But you know what the amazing thing to me is? Is you barely ever see that in his writings. Paul wrote some of the most amazing passive scripture of hope and, and in putting trust in Christ. And it was in one of those moments when he was actually being put in jail by Caesar. Now, jail is nothing like what you think jail is. I don't know how many people have ever been to jail. I've been to jail one time and it wasn't because I did anything wrong. Is because a couple of my friends thought they were going to be really funny because they knew my biggest fear was to be put in jail for, the, for something I didn't do. So I played with a traveling softball team. I played first base on the traveling softball team. And we ended up going over to McCormick to a maximum security federal penitentiary. This was, these were real people like murderers and, 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 and people that were like, I'm not talking like, like multiple, seven, eight serial killers were in this place. And we go there to play softball and we go there to somehow or another show the, the love of Jesus. So we go in and as we're going in, I, my, my, I hear the door slam. And when the door slams, I wet myself. I know I do. And so we're sitting there, and, and we're, we're getting ready to play the game, and I play first base, and I don't know who's playing shortstop, but the shortstop threw the ball. And I'm pretty tall. I'm six, one and a half. I've got wingspan. I've got like 37-inch arms. Like, so the ball is way over my head, and when it's thrown over my head, the crowd behind me, which is all inmates everywhere, this is the warning they gave us. If you hear the siren, everybody fall on the ground. Whoever doesn't fall on the ground gets shot. I played the whole game on the ground. I was afraid to get shot. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the, the, the ball is thrown on my head and, the, and, the, and, the, and it splits and there's all these prisoners. And they're about 50 yards down there. I see this softball. And I said, y'all can have it because I'm not going down there. And I'm thinking to myself, like this is, this is every fear that I have is right there. And it gets worse because as you're signing out, they call your name and they bring you and they open the door. So they go, okay, Andy Stickle, check. Blake Wood, check. Wes Ellis, check. They go through all the names, check, 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 check. And I'm standing there by myself and they shut the door. And all I hear is the chains rattle and I'm going, what just happened here? Now I am not just kind of puddling. It is a, there's a river of life flowing out of me right now moment. And then all of a sudden I look in the mirror, there's a little window 
And it's two of my best friends going. It's not that kind of prison. As bad as that prison was, the prison that Paul was in was horrendous. Didn't have a court system like they have now. They would take him in front of Caesar. They would clamp his arms together. They would strip him of all his clothes and they would flog him. It was a sign of power. It was their way of letting him know that they were in charge and he wasn't in charge. And then they would throw him to a prison cell. And it wasn't a prison cell that had a toilet and a bed. It was bare walls. It was bare floor. They would throw him down naked on the floor. And they would throw him his clothes. And he would have to take and try to figure out how to put his clothes on all the wounds and blood leaking out. And on top of that, it smelled and it was dark. It was in those moments that Paul wrote some of the most amazing sermons. The epistles, the book of Philippine, uh, Philippines, the Philippians. I almost did a Donald Trump moment right there. First Corinthians or whatever that is. It was in those moments. How, how is it that when he was going through the worst thing he could possibly go through, the, all the opportunities there were for fear and worry and loneliness and disappointment, but he writes a passage like this, in chapter 4, verse 48, this is what he says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, is there, or if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He said, you know something? I'm sitting in the prison cell and fear is not the top thing on my list. I'm not even thinking about fear. I should be thinking about fear, but there's other things I need to be thinking about. I'm not thinking about Krispy Kremes anymore. I'm thinking about this situation over here. I'm going to change and revert my thinking. I'm not thinking about worry anymore. I'm not thinking about loneliness and disappointment isn't even on my radar. So the things he says, he says, let's think about things that are true. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're going through this right now and having a struggle with your mental stuff going on up here, start thinking about the truth of God. Start thinking about how much he loves you. Start thinking about how he does exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. We just sang three songs about God's blessings. That's truth right there. He is not here to destroy you. He's here to build you up. He doesn't hate you. He actually loves you. The situations you're going through right now may be horrific, but I'm telling you, he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. That's truth. That's truth. You can take that one over fear and disappointment and loneliness and all the other stuff. How about this? Honorable. I love this word. Honorable. Actually, in the NIV, it uses the word right. Like right. You made the right decision. That was a good move right there. It means the things we do in public are right. They're honorable. It means we're not tearing people down to build ourselves up. That's being honorable. And then he says just. And he uses the word pure. I love the word pure. And he says lovely. And then he says a word that's so cool, commendable. And I'm not sure if we even, uh, even have an understanding about what this word actually means anymore. This means I am willing to put my name. I, I'm a commendable person. I am a person worthy of honor. I am worthy of my name. Commendable. And then he says excellence. And I love this, excellence. We talk about this all the time at Journey. We believe that excellence honors God. We want to think about excellence. You know why? Because God gave his very best. God didn't give a half-wit savior. He didn't give a half-baked some type of, 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 of offering. He gave his very best, his son Jesus Christ, the, spot, the spotless lamb without wrinkle. Excellence. And then I love this one. And it's worthy 
of praise. And here's what I've determined. While he's in the prison cell, all the other things should be coming to his mind, all fear and disappointment and loneliness. But he knew that in the midst of the struggles, that there was a God that was still going to make sure he was taken care of. And he understood that praise tears down walls. There used to be a song that we sang years ago, let the praise go up, and when the praise goes up, the walls come down. And I've watched that happen in my life. You know what? Fear, negativity, struggles, anxiety can't stand when we're praising God. And that's what he's saying, praise. So in the midst of all this, in the midst of being imprisoned and shipwrecked and all these problems, that's why he can say things like this. Big truth today. One simple change of focus can change everything. One simple move in the right direction, going a little bit from negative to positive. That's a big point today. That's a big truth that we can kind of hang our hat on. That if we're willing to just take a little bit, just a little bit of a change, God will do something. And the big question for all of us today is, what do you tend to focus on? What's, what's your focus? What you focus on the negative things, the fear and discouragement and, and loneliness and all that? Are you focusing on the true and the honorable? And if you're not focusing on those things, what are you going to exchange for those things? What, what are you going to put in the place? Are you going to put some of these things in here? I love the way Ephesians says it because it answers a question of, of, because every one of us, every one of us in this room has things that we need to stop thinking about. There's things that we have to change in our lives. There's, there's, there's thoughts in our minds. And Ephesians chapter 4, 23 says it like this, and to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And you know what we need to have? Because a lot of us have stinking thinking. My pastor used to say this all the time. Get rid of stinking thinking. We have to have a checkup from the neck up. That means we have to have a change of our mind. We need to do something different right here. And if we continue to do the same things over and over again, you know what that's called? It's called insanity. And if you're not where you want to be, but you want to be way over here, then do something about it. Change your thoughts. Change what you're doing. Change the way you're thinking. Let me, let me tell you the truth. You are today where your thoughts have brought you right now. You are right now. Wherever you're at, you are there right now because of your thoughts. So if you don't like where you're at, change your thoughts. If you want to be, I'm, I said it in, uh, in second service. I'm telling you what, normal is not working anymore. Normal, normal marriage doesn't work anymore. It's not cutting the mustard. Normal just kind of going through life, it doesn't work anymore. I am tired of normal. Normal is a setting on a dryer. That's what normal is. You know what I want to be? As Craig Rochelle says, I want to be weird. I want to be, listen, I want people to look at my marriage and I want them to go, now that's a marriage that I want to have. Not because he stands on stage, because he loves his wife. You know what kind of dad I want? I want to be a weird dad. I want to be a dad that puts himself behind because his kids, even as adult children, are still important. I want to be weird in that. You know what I want to be? I want to be weird with my money. I want to be an extravagant giver. So, uh, giver, so I can't keep doing the same things over and over again. I need to have a thought pattern change. Uh, Romans chapter 12 says it like this. Do not be conformed to this world. You know what this world is? Normal's okay. Just do, just do normal. Just, just half-hearted. It's fine. But he said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. There's three more things right there you can put on that board. Think about things that are good, acceptable, and perfect. So how do you do this? Well, here's the first thing. 
you need to think about what you think about. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But you know what? Most of us don't think about what we're thinking about, do we? You have to think, you have to be intentional. Neuropsychologist, psychologist Rick Hansen says this. He's, uh, he's the founder of the Wellspring Institute. He says, we are wired from the start with a negativity bias. Our minds naturally focus on the bad and discard the good. He says, in fact, our brain, he describes our brain like this, a Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive experiences. Meaning this, negative things just stick to us and all the positive stuff just kind of falls away. We have a tendency to focus on the things that are in front of us that are negative. Albert Einstein said it like this. The world we have created is a product of our own thinking. It cannot be changed without changing our thinking. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to come up and eat, eat a donut. What do you have? Do you have intentional thinking or do you have mindless wandering? Do you have intentional thinking or mindless wandering? And I'm going to tell you where I fall in the equation. Mindless wandering. Let me tell you what it looks like. Tuesday I was studying. So Tuesday is my study day. I got up at 4.30. By an hour into it, all of a sudden, I don't know why, I think the devil's in my computer. The devil started putting pop-ups of all these things that are very interesting to me. Like Cabela's has got a gun sale going on there. Really? They have a gun sale going on right now? Oh, I can get ammo. Oh, they got Academy Sports has ammo in stock right now. Oh, look at a new fishing reel. That new fishing reel by Shimano is pretty awesome, isn't it? And so there's all these things on the side. You know what I'm talking about? How do they do that? Like, tapped into this thing right here? Good luck with that. So I click on it. Mindless wandering. So I click on it. I could always use a new gun, right? So, oh, wow, look at that. They have the new Benelli Super Black Eagle 3. It's on sale. Three and a half inch magnums. I wonder how many shells are for that. And then all of a sudden, another pop-up. Georgia professor gets dismissed because of um, plagiarism. And I'm like, that's one of our students that comes here, has that teacher. So I click on that because I have to read that story. I got to be up on it when I talk to that student. So I click on that story. So I'm clicking on that story. I'm like, hey, you know something? The football player, my favorite football player from the University of Georgia is actually in this class with this person. And I kind of got a man crush on this. So I, I texted the, the person that's the student. And I said, hey, do you think there's any way you can introduce me to this great football player? Like, I would really be honored. I wouldn't want to like be anything weird or anything, but like high five or maybe go to lunch, kind of do something like that. That would be really cool. And the next thing I know, two and a half hours later, and I have a message that I've, get, I've got to get done. Don't tell me you don't do it. It looks just like that. The little things on the bar tab, the tabs on the side just look different. If we want to change the way we think, we have to think about what we think about. We have to be intentional with what we're thinking about. We need to think with a purpose. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about thinking with a purpose. He finally... Brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely. He goes, I want you to think about these things with a purpose. I want you to exchange those for those negative thoughts, the fear, the, you know, the, 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 the loneliness, the problems that you have, the anxiety that you're dealing with. I want you to replace. I want you to think about what you're thinking about. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. If there's any excellence, if, anything, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I wish I could say that happens 100% of the time. I wish I could say that happens 50% of the time. But you know what disrupts this whole thing? A problem. 
Do you ever have a problem? Anybody ever have a problem? Maybe a big problem, small problem? And then all of a sudden the problem is just bigger than all this stuff. And you look at the problem and you go, gosh, this is such a big problem. And you're like, man, I'm so mad. Like who caused this problem? What am I going to do about this problem? And then and you get to the end of your discussion with yourself, because we all have this discussion with ourselves. We go, you know something? It's too big to even tackle. I don't even know why I try anymore. And then all of a sudden, our thinking is taking us so far away from God. And that's why I'm saying, listen, when you have this struggle, this problem, whatever it looks like, think about things that are true. I have this recurring nightmare. Every Saturday night, I have this recurring nightmare. And most people, Preachers have it. They think that their zipper's down. Mine is I walk up on stage and I have no notes. And every Saturday night, about two o'clock, I wake up with cold sweats. I wake up thinking, I just got done preaching and I can't remember my notes. Where are my notes at? And I know, listen, I know, you know what the truth is? That's the enemy trying to disrupt me. That's the enemy trying to get me to divert from what he wants me to really think. That's the way the enemy wants to keep me up at night. But truth is, I've only lost my notes one time in 30 years. And you know what happened? God showed up. And it was probably the best message I ever spoke. So maybe I should have thrown my notes away right now. I'm not. What would happen, what would happen if during those circumstances, whatever your, your problem is your problem, my problem is my problem. What, what if we started going, okay, is what's going on even true? Is it even true? Is it true? Seriously. Is what's going on, is there any truth to that at all? Because you know what? You know what the word fear stands for? False evidence that appears real. Most of my fears are fake. Most of my fears are things that will never really happen. Most of my fears are concoctions of my mind. So is it true? And then here's, here's it. Is it honorable? Is it, is it, is it, is it just, is like, is there anything, like, what's the, Run it through the schematic of these words right here, this Philippians chapter four, verse eight. What would happen that if we did that instead of dealing with all the other stuff? Here's the second thing. I want you to write this down. The first one is think what you think about. The second one is put each thought into its proper place. Do you know each one of your thoughts has a proper place? So, some of them you have to put them way back in the G file. Some, some of you have to put them way back there that you'll never deal with those things again. Every thought yields one of three responses. You'll either have a negative action. You'll have a negative action based on that thought. You'll have a, and you know, a, a leads to inaction. We're going to talk about that in a second. Or a positive. Which one are you going to have? You have to put it in one of those three categories. Is this a negative thing? Is this a positive thing? Do I need to do something about this? And when you begin to think about what you're thinking about, you learn the, to identify the thought and put it in, in its proper place. You do this by asking certain questions. Here's, here, here's something you can do. Every time I have a thought, I'm trying to bring my thought into captivity of Christ. That's what the scripture says, right? I'm bringing this thought right here into the obedience of Christ, the Holy Spirit. This is what, this is what he's saying. This is what I know the truth is. This thought doesn't line up. This is what I have. Who, who is the influence behind this thought? Who is influencing my thought right now? Now, let's be really spiritual for a second. Either the thoughts come from God or they come from the enemy. Either they're there to build us up and take us where he wants us to go or they're there to tear us down and take us the opposite direction. So you got to determine, is this thought I'm having right now, is this a good thought or a bad thought? If it's a good, if it's a good thought, if it falls underneath these things here, I'm going to keep doing those. Let's take it a level down now. Because some of us deal with this. Maybe the author of that thought is a parent that abused you. 
Maybe the author of that thought is a coach that told you you were worthless or it was a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend in high school that did you wrong. Or maybe it was a husband or a wife that did you wrong. You have to determine where is that thought coming from? Is it a influence in my life or is it a negative influence and if it's a negative influence i've got to bring it to the obedience of christ i got to take it through this right here and go okay is it true no it's not true it's fake it's a lie it's not honorable it's not just none of these things so that's the first question second question what does this reveal about what i believe and man i'm going to speak on this one for a second i can't tell you the amount of time people walk in my office and they throw down all the problems and the first question i ask has something to do with have you taken this to God yet? Like, no, I didn't even think about that. And we have gotten in a really bad habit in our society of looking at that big problem, that big mountain, and going, God, look how big it is. Look how big this problem is, this divorce situation, this financial ruin, this business that's going under, this relational breakdown. My kids, here's this big mountain. And we go, oh, little God, come over. And It's supposed to be the other way around, by the way. There needs to come a point in our thinking where we go, little problem, big God. And there's nothing impossible for God. That's what scripture says. How we handle those circumstances, what we think about, reveals who we believe in. Do we believe in a little God or do we believe in a big God? Do we believe in a God that can still do the exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine? Or we feel like he's just a God over there in a corner. He's a good thing to have around every once in a while. The third question is this. Where will this type of thinking take me? And I wish this wasn't true, but there's so many times in my office I have conversations that start out like this. It just started out as a little argument, Pastor Bobby, and it blew up. And then I started being reminded of how many times he talked ugly to me and how he talked down to me and how he told me I was ugly or how many times she said I was worthless or I didn't have... Uh, you know, I wasn't a good father, and all of a sudden it goes from that to this guy paid attention to me at the office. Old friend of mine Facebook messaged me. I didn't mean for it to start. I didn't mean for it to even go any further than that right there, but this person was paying me so much attention. And before you knew it, we were in an emotional affair. And it's one of those circumstances. You have to think about where this thought is taking you. You have to play this as the end game way over here. What it looks like, what's the potential of it? Do we really want that to ever happen? The answer should be no. And if we even see a remote, just a little bit of that in, inside that thought pattern, we've got to get rid of it. And here's the last thing. We need to let your thoughts, I need to let my thoughts be followed up with appropriate actions. So many times we have great thoughts. I'm going to lose weight this year. Hey, Gummit, it's, this, it's November. It's October already. Well, I've put on 30. I did pretty good. Now I have some more to take off next year, right? Or I want to get my marriage right. Have you put the appropriate action? Because this is what it is. So this bottle, you guys will see this bottle 95,000 different ways. But Okay. So how many people look at this bottle and see it half filled? Okay, raise your hand. It's okay. There's no wrong answer. How many people see it half empty? Okay. How many people don't know there's anything in the bottle? Like you're like, what? See, this isn't a question of half filled or half empty. 
Action-oriented people go, there needs to be more water in that because I'm going to run out pretty soon. And how am I going to fill this thing up? And that's what thoughts are. We have to take the appropriate actions with our thoughts. If we want to have a great marriage, there's appropriate actions to have a great marriage. It's not just thinking about it. You need to take a step forward. You need to maybe get some counseling. You maybe need to read a book. You need to do a devotion together. If you want to be an extravagant giver and you're not there right now, you need to start taking some actions to be that. If you want to serve in an area of ministry, but you're not, you know, you're not quite there yet, you got to start somewhere. And so many times we want the end game. We want way over there. But we're not willing to take the appropriate actions that it takes to get to there. Proverbs 13, 16 says, wise people think before they act. Wise people, there's some research. They think through it. They just don't jump at the opportunity. But you know what else it says? Wise people think before they do what? They act. Wise people act too. There's action. It's not just sitting around, you know, singing Kumbaya with a bunch of believers in a circle, you know, eating s'mores. It's I'm going to do something with what God wants me to do. I, I have appropriate actions. And so we have to bring our thoughts and they have to be uh, followed up with appropriate actions. Too often we think about the right thing, but we never get around to doing it. And our lives, our lives express the result of our dominant thoughts. Whatever your dominant thoughts are, that's what your life will express. That's what your life, life will look like. I love what Colossians chapter three, it's becoming one of my favorite passages. It says this, set your minds on things that are above not on things that are of earth. When I'm thinking about the things of God, fear has no place. Frustration has no place. Loneliness has no place. None of those things have a place when I'm setting my my mind on things above, which, which are true and which are honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. I want to do one more experiment today. It has nothing to do with Krispy Kremes. I want you to shut your eyes for a second. Every person in the room, just shut their eyes for a second. And I'm going to read a story to you. And I want you to sit there. The whole series about, is about unmasked. It's about taking the mask off. It's about being, figuring out your true identity, who you really are. It's not about your wife figuring out who you really are or your kids figuring out. It's about you figuring out who you are. And the only way you can figure that out, honestly, is in a conversation with the Heavenly Father. By asking the Holy Spirit to come and take his rightful place as number one in our lives. As I read this story, I want you to put yourself where you you fit, where you feel like you fit in the equation. And if you don't like where you fit, I'm going to challenge you to do something about it. I want you to change those dominant thoughts. What you think is what you become. So start thinking differently there's an old legend about three men each of the three men have two bags there's a bag that they're hanging over their neck on the front of their chest and there's a bag that's off the back of their neck across their back the first man was asked what was in the bag he said on my back are all the good things friends and family have done it's all the good times it's all the parties it's all that stuff They were hidden from my view. In the front bag were all the bad things. It was the divorce, it was the frustration, it was the business failures, it was my fears, it was anxiety. And every now and then I just stop and I pull those things out of the bag. 
because he kept stopping and looking at those things. He concentrated on the bad stuff. He never really made much progress in life. The second man has the same two bags. The front bag is all the good things. Successful father, great business person, functions in his church, got great family members. But on his back is all the negative things. And unfortunately for this guy, he has more negative things in his life than he has positive things. And he says, these are weighing me down. It's fatiguing. It's tiring. It's frustrating. I'm embarrassed of all the things that are in that bag that's hanging on my back. And the third guy, he's got a bag in the front. It's all the positive things. It's everything he's experienced. It's the great people that he has his friends. The weight isn't an issue. He actually says that it serves as a sail to keep me going in the direction that I need to go. And he says, I have a bag on the back too. But it weighs nothing. Because I decided years ago I was going to cut a hole in the bottom of it. And I wasn't going to let those bad things weigh me down. And I was going to function in those positive things. And I was going to think about things that are pure and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent, worthy of praise. So every time something negative happened, it just slipped right off my back, right through the hole in the bottom. What's in your bag? What's in your bag? Are you willing to take your mask off today and have that conversation if that bag is weighing you down and not taking you where you need to go and you think more about negative stuff than positive stuff? If you seem tired and fatigued because of that bag? Are you willing to take that bag off and lay it at the feet of Jesus and allow him to cut a hole in it? That those things stay at the cross and you carry that empty bag the rest of your life? Well, you're not carrying your regrets and your, your sins and your problems and all the things you've done wrong? What's in your bag? Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, this is not about me asking other people what's in their bag. It's about me asking myself what's in my bag. And there is times of my life, and to be quite honest with you, it's frequent that that bag seems so heavy that the fear and the struggles and the problem and the loneliness, the anxiety, the sleepless nights, but that bag is overwhelming and so many times to the point where I can't even see sometimes the good things. And that's not a confession, God, for people to feel sorry for them. It's a confession because I want to be right with you. And my prayer is right now, that you would help me. And I believe there's other people in this room that they're asking for help. They're wanting you to come. Take that bag. Your word says, all those who are tired and heavy burden, come and I'll give you rest. 
My burden is light and my yoke is easy. And maybe it's been so difficult because you've been trying to do it on your own. And maybe right now in this moment, maybe for the first time of your life, you're giving him the bag. God, thank you for the last four weeks where we can talk about integrity, where we can talk about stuff like this. And I pray that today was a catalyst moment for a lot of us in this room. We may seem like we have it all together, but deep down inside, we're all human and we all have struggles. Let me take the mask off, God. And let you do the things you want to do in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I want to thank you for being here. These last four weeks have been amazing. Um, lots of good table talk that you can have with your kids because we all did it as an all-in. Next week, we're going to start my new favorite series. And so you'll have to be here for that. We're going to talk about our we statements. You see them plastered all over the walls around here. We're going to talk about who we are. And we're going to highlight missions in our church. Love thy neighbor. And so you're going to want to be here. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.